Welcome back to the Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 451. Like a dream upon waking, Denna added with a smile, like a fairy maiden slipping through the trees. Denna was silent for a moment. She must have been wondrous indeed to catch you so entire. She was looking at me with serious eyes. She was beyond compare. Oh, come now, her manner changed to jovial. We all know that when the lights are out, all women are the same height. She gave a rough chuckle and ribbed me knowingly with an elbow. Not true, I said with firm conviction. Well, she said slowly, I guess I'll have to take your word for it. She looked back up at me. Perhaps in time you can convince me. I looked into the deep brown of her eyes. That has ever been my hope. Denna smiled, and my heart stepped sideways in my chest. Maintain it. She slid her arm inside the curve of mine and fell into step beside me. For without hope, what do any of us have? That's the chapter and the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Dorana. And again, these characters are saying so much to each other through this bit that they're doing. Well, they step out of the bit at the end, though. Well, they don't, but they do. Like that's my point. They are they are speaking truthfully to each other through the artifice of this bit. So they are saying things that they truly believe, but they all they always have plausible deniability because they're also playing characters doing a bit. But my one of the things that I think is really interesting is that Denna twice tries to tries to like diffuse the the honesty of what they're saying by making dirty jokes. You know, she says, "I've heard some men can manage twice or even more, you know, what a shame to love only once. And Quoth, uh, Quoth like doesn't really take that bait. And then again, she tries to get, you know, she tries to just like make a dirty joke. Like, come on, we all know that when the lights out, all the women are the same height, you know? And what she's really saying there is like, come on, we both know that like all you're really after is sex. You just want to like fuck me. And he keeps saying like, no, no, that's not it at all. Like, this woman who I'm madly in love with, she is the only one. And it's like, it's not the same as other women. Like she is the only one for me. I agree with that read. I also think that it's sort of, uh, how do I describe it? Like Denna's diffusion makes sense, but also it's funny because Foth is saying, he's like, Oh no, it's different. I know it's different. And it's like, well, you're correct. It is different, but you don't know that. <laughs> I mean, because he, he's never like been in love before, right? Exactly. Yeah, and he's never like he's never so much just kissed a girl. Exactly. Like he doesn't like he is correct in saying that they are not all the same height, etc. But he doesn't know that technically. Mm-hmm. He has he has all the absolute certainty of a teenager who is madly in love for the first time. And has nothing to compare it to. So he thinks that like this must be the only way that love can be. And, you know, I definitely know people who fell in love with the person they were dating in high school and have gone on to marry them. Uh, and that's working out great for them. I, and, you know, people who like met each other pretty early on in their lives hadn't had that much experience before and it's all worked out great. And sometimes it does work out great and sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, Quoth is... As, as he often is, Quoth is completely sure of himself when he maybe Regardless does of not... experience. Yeah, exactly. But 
it's also worth noting that he is, in this case, Denna. I think Denna, as we've discussed before, she has some issues regarding her own self-worth, right? We have we have discussed before things she said and done that make us think that she does not have a very high opinion of her own self-worth as a human being and as someone worthy of love. And that's kind of what she's saying here, right? Like, I'm not different from anybody else. I'm just another warm body. And Quoth is telling her, that is not true. That is like not how I feel about you. And then she says, okay, well, I guess, I guess I'm going to have to believe you on this one and maybe you'll convince me eventually. Yeah, so she's taking his word for it, but is not personally convinced. Yeah, I think what she's saying here is like, I believe that you believe that, but I'm not yet ready to believe it about myself. But I mm-hmm. hope that you can convince me that it is true about myself. Yeah, all those things seem like a salient read. And that's, you know... That's why I think it's really romantic is because they are using the artifice of this bit to give themselves some safety, but they are, this is as close as they have ever gotten so far to telling each other how they really feel about each other and being able to have like, you know, an honest conversation about it. And the only way they can have that honest conversation is through artifice. Okay. Reasonable. I'm a reasonable guy. Yep. This is this is funny for me because I never really thought about this book as being romantic. Like I never really thought about Quoth and Denna's relationship as like, yes, it is a romantic relationship in a way, but I never really think about it being as like a romantic read in any way, shape or form. But that said, I've also never read a romance novel. So <laughs> I have also never read a romance novel, but I have always thought of these books as being deeply romantic. I have yet to be convinced. I am currently on the fence as to whether or not I truly feel that this is a romantic thing. Like, I get that they're having a romantic relationship. That I understand. But I, I just don't like, know that I necessarily read this page and, like, swoon. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's a difference of opinion. But, like, for me, like, the most important thing that happens in this book is their relationship. Like, that is the thing that drives Quoth to do what he does. That is, like, the thing that he cares the most about. Like, he says, you know... On paper, his motivation is finding out about the Amir and the Chandrian, but he does not devote himself Batman-like to single-minded study and training in order that he can one day find and slay the Chandrian. That's like a thing that kind of comes and goes in his life as a thing that is important to him. But what does he consistently drop everything else in his life to do? Go find Denna and spend time with her. So, and like that's clearly, it seems to me that his relationship with Denna more than anything else is the thing that he mourns over and thinks about the most in the frame narrative. Uh, and that's the thing that he has, seems to have the most difficulty with talking about. I'm not going to necessarily say that one is more important than the other, because obviously the death of his parents deeply affected him uh, and drives a lot of who he later becomes as a person. But I think that his romance with Denna is one of the two absolutely central parts of this book and it's one of the things that i remember most as like setting it apart from other fantasy books that i have read so i figured out maybe why i don't necessarily consider it a romance like this like they're like they are romantically connected however when i read these sections of the book i don't consider them romantic because it still feels like a tragedy 
Uh, um, some of the greatest romances in the history of fiction are tragedies, my dear. Fine. I, I agree, like, Romeo and Juliet is a tragedy and a romance. But also, I have a really hard time connecting to the romantic aspect because it's a tragedy. Oh, see- Like, I- for me, it is a tragedy before it is a romance. It is too upsetting to be romantic. Oh, yeah. I mean, I hear you. I think for me, the tragedy is what makes it a romance. Oh, interesting. So in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I was always, like, my OTP, my one true pairing was Buffy and Angel, because it's tragic and doomed. Like, if they bone, he turns evil and tries to kill everybody. So they can never bone, but they're desperately in love with each other. And he ultimately leaves town after she kills him and sends him to hell, because he turns evil. Uh... And then she nurses him back to health and he leaves town ultimately because he knows like even like what we've been doing for the last year is like having nice picnics with each other and gazing longingly at each other. But this is never going to work and I'm going to ruin your life because you would be willing to give up your entire life to pal around in a graveyard with someone who's 250 years older than you who you can never touch and never grow old with, never have children with, never have like a real life together. So I'm going to leave you because I know that's going to be what's best for both of us in the long run, even though it's going to break both of our hearts right now. And that is romance. Yeah. So for me, that's just too sad to be romance here. I will give you my vision of romance because I just recently started watching the new season of Castlevania and in the first like three episodes there are two very good examples of what to me makes a wonderful romance and like i also consider like the new like the shira the the newer cartoon shira that has come out not like the 80s one um also has some really good examples of like what i consider to be like a a pure romance and it's when the two people involved can be really mad at each other and disagree, but still love each other. And it happens like in, uh, in Castlevania, there's these two vampires and one is a warrior and one is a sort of diplomat sort of lady. And they're discussing this war that they're doing. And the one is just like, I don't think we should be doing this war. I thought it was a good idea, but no, I don't think it's a good idea. And the other one's like, well, you convinced me it was a good idea. Why are you telling me now that it's not a good idea? And they're obviously having a disagreement, but in the end, the understanding that they make very clear to one another is like, Whatever we do, I just want to make sure we're doing it together. And I'm like, yeah, that's romance. Like, that is romance for me. <laughs> that is a very healthy relationship. And I can see why you think it's romantic. But I think that for me in fiction, romances are often much more compelling when they are in some way doomed or tragic. Mm, no, disagree. Strong disagree. But I do understand why everybody else would also agree with you. Like, I disagree with you, but I understand why the vast majority of people would agree with you. I... I guess what it comes down to is like like a compelling story is one where there is conflict and high drama. And one of the easy ways to get that in a romance is to have there be such obstacles to the romance that it becomes tragic, right? Like, you know, the tragedy of Romeo and Juliet is like not that they fall in love, but that their families hate each other and that they can't get away from that, right? You know, the the tragedy of Titanic is that Jack and Rose fall in love. And not only are they from two different social worlds, but also they're on a ship that's going to, like, we all know is going to sink, right? Like, that's the the ticking clock. It's like, there's only so much time before they hit the iceberg. And I think that there is something compelling to me. Maybe I'm just like a masochist when it comes to my fiction, because I like when I know that a thing is going to hurt. Yeah, see, I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) 
(laughs) I understand why people enjoy that sort of thing, but I'm also totally the kind of person who's just like, I just want to know that everything's going to be okay. (laughs) Mm. Yes, and I'm the kind of person who goes, I want everything to be okay, and I know that it won't be. Yeah. Um, Which is like, I think, like, I enjoy this book, but I also think that I'm not going to like the ending. (laughs) You're not going to like the ending because the ending's going to make you sad? It's going to make me sad. I'm going to be sad about it. And like, that's why I know I will like the ending. (laughs) Well, I like, yeah, I would say for me, I will love these books for the journey, but you may like these books for the end. Yeah. I mean, you know, I wouldn't like, like, let me put it this way. For me, I will, there will be something lost to me if the, if this series does not stick the landing and have a satisfying ending. Uh, that yeah, I ending... could give a shit if it has a, uh, has a satisfying ending. <laughs> Pardon me. I could give a shit if it has a satisfying ending. Like for for me, like I've already enjoyed enough of the book that no matter what is written after, I'll probably still be happy. Yeah, and I feel like there's a spectrum of opinion on this on this podcast because, like, you know, for some of the hosts of this podcast, the fact that the Rise of Skywalker was a disgusting garbage fire of a movie has like tainted the entire Star Wars brand for them forever, and that is not how I feel. But I do, f- Nick. Yeah, uh, sorry, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> what was that? That was a weird <laughs> sneeze, Jordana. But- yeah, I know. I just. <laughs> But I do admit to feeling tremendously disappointed and angry that that movie was as bad as it was and so squandered the potential of the movie that immediately preceded it. A movie that also uh, made me happy because it made me sad, if you know what I mean. But like that didn't ruin Star Wars for me forever. I'm still going to be able to enjoy watching, you know, Empire Strikes Back or, you know, reading some trashy Star Wars novel. Like that's still going to bring me joy. Whereas but I will even watch I feel the like with these books I'm, and not be all that offended. I feel like I might feel differently. I don't know. It, I feel like it's a case-by-case basis for me. But I think that in general, a story has to be a complete object. It has to be like a complete work. And a work is not complete that does not have a satisfying ending that successfully resolves the tensions that are brought up through the story that successfully kind of makes a statement about the themes that have been brought up in this story. And like, that's part of why I think that Rise of Skywalker sucked. And I like, I think that Rothfuss will write a satisfying ending to this series, but I guess what I, what I will sum up by saying is it won't have to be tragic to be satisfying necessarily, but I think that all signs point to tragedy. And I think that a tragic ending would be very satisfying to me. Okay, reasonable. I uh, I sort of, the way that I view, like, this book, and I think, like, probably, like, a lot of media is kind of the same way that I like to, to think about a piece of art that I make, and that's that it is never finished. Like, you will finish it, theoretically, but really, you could you could always add more. You could always take away. You could always do something with it. But if it's a good enough piece of art that you started it to begin with, and that people, when they see it, do enjoy it for a time. It's still, like, it's it's never really finished. So, like, for the, for the book, like, even if the last book never comes out, I will still be happy because Rothfuss has built enough of a world that I can imagine however many of my own endings for it that I don't need him to write the ending for me to enjoy what is there. 
it doesn't need to be whole or finished because it's never finished anyway. Mm, yeah, I I do not I do not agree with that. Like I think that part of being a great artist is knowing when the thing is finished, knowing when you have to put it out into the world, and knowing well, it's knowing when the world will see it as finished. But the thing is, I think like certainly for myself as an artist, when I make something, I look at something and I'm like, yep, this is presentable. People will like it as it looks like this. But for me. I will always see all the different ways that I could have changed, taken away, added to a piece of art. And like, yeah, but that doesn't I mean think it's of not art finished. that's like years old and work on it and never show it to anyone because it was already quote unquote finished and people liked it that way. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's not the attitude that I would take. And I think that a lot of art really suffers from being unfinished or from the author feeling like they have to keep going back and tinkering with it. Like George Lucas famously keeps going back and tinkering with movies that he finished 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and it never makes them better. It only ever makes them worse. Sure. I mean, it depends who you're making stuff for. Because if you're making stuff for like a vast audience, that's different than if you're making stuff for a niche audience. And it's also very different if you're making stuff for yourself. I think it does the audience a disservice to not have decided this is the complete thing. This is as good as I can make it. And when I put it out into the world, it will be a statement about me, the artist, as I am right now. And if 10 years from now, I would make something different, then that's going to be something different. But I'm not going to work on the same thing obsessively for 10 years and never think of it as finished. Because what's the point? Right, but I'm not saying that you would necessarily work on something obsessively continuously. What I'm saying is that you might have a piece of art and it might be quote-unquote finished, but you can always see different possibilities for it. There yeah. could have been ways it could have gone. Yeah, but I don't think that... you can enjoy it for that. Right, but I don't think that's the same thing as it not being finished. But, but I did, the, the reason that it's like, like it's, it's quote-unquote finished, but it could also theoretically not be finished because you could pick it up and change it. Once you've given it to someone else to look at, it's finished. Once you've like okay, hung it on I'm... a wall or put it like on a bookshelf, it's finished. If that is the way you feel, that is fine, Jeremy. Mm. I disagree and that's okay. Mm. If an artist tries to go back and meddle with a painting that they've already finished, they should have the thumbs cut off. Page of the Wind. <laughs>